0: Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking to Karen Tibbles. Thank you for joining us today, Karen.
1: Thanks, Dion. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Awesome. So, Karen, if you don't mind sharing a bit about yourself to my listeners, that would be great.
1: Great. Um, As I talk about in my book. Um, I um, started my career in marketing and worked for major companies. And I thought I knew why people did the way what they did, because that's what I did for a living. I was in marketing. Um, I had a religious calling and I left that career to go to seminary. And then I was looking for something to do. And I had found a theory in seminary, a psychology theory. It wasn't a religious theory. Um, that changed the way I looked at the world. And because of that, um, I thought it was worth talking about how it changed what I, what I thought about the world and why people do that. Because as I said, I was sort of an expert in consumer behavior. And I discovered I wasn't, that there was, some, there was something else. So I've written a book about it called Persuade Don't Preach, and I'm writing a newsletter um, with even more ideas, um, which is available on Substack. So, And I'm giving talks to people about the ideas, and I'm hoping to have an impact of changing our conversation because I see a major problem in the world, in the country specifically and in the world overall, where we don't know how to talk to each other. We end up yelling or saying we're not going to talk to each other, uh, unfriending people on social media. and I think we can learn to talk to each other in a new way that, in keeping with your theme, that really shows heart. But it's new skills that we need to learn, and that's what I want to help people to understand.
0: Interesting. Um, so um, you wrote a book. Um, what exactly inspired, inspired that? I mean, obviously you touched a bit on it, but it's not like a simple concept, oh, I'm just going to write a book. Um, how did that exactly, how did you go about writing your book, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Oh, sure. Um, well, as I said, I found this theory, which is called Moral Foundations Theory, um, which is was uh, started by a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Haidt. He's a professor at NYU. And what he says is that we all, all humans, and by all I mean across countries, across cultures, from indigenous cultures to advanced economies, all human beings have the same five moral foundations. Um, and it, I just heard him describe them as, it's as if we have five taste buds on our tongue and we all have the same five, but that doesn't mean we all like the same food. And so what he says is that because we have different preferences for the different five moral foundations, they come up in different combinations and that leads to our differences in culture. And there's, in this country, there's two different patterns that happen most often. And, you know, there are a lot of individual variations, not everybody fits the stereotype, but there's a liberal uh, pattern where people put much more importance on two of the moral foundations, care and fairness, and a conservative pattern where they place really even importance on all five. They do place importance on care and fairness, not as much as liberals, but they also place importance on the other three, which are respect for authority, belonging to a group, and sacredness. And because they have about even importance across all five of those, it means they interact and they come out in funny different ways and you can't really predict what's going on. Um, I ran into this in my own family. Oh, so let me, let me back up a sec. What happens is that the difference importance means that you end up with conflicts where people are conflicted about, what's underneath the issue. So if you're talking about an issue, you're really probably having a conflict about the value that's underneath or the moral foundation, but we think it's a conflict about the issue. And as I started to say, I ran into this in my own family with an encounter I had with my last remaining aunt. Um, She was the last one alive. And I went to visit her one day and she went on a rant about immigration. And at the time, her caregiver, who was from Poland, was sitting right there in the same room. And I got got mad. (laughs) And I've never done this before, but I called her rude and I walked out and I never spoke to her again. She died 18 months later because I didn't call her and she didn't call me and I didn't go to visit her. And what I think of now, now that I have this theory and I've been doing the work on it, is that we weren't really talking about immigration. We were talking about different values. And maybe for her, the value was the, the, that she really loved this country, which is a belonging moral foundation, Hyde would say. And me, I was concerned about Jeannie who was sitting in the corner And I was concerned about her feelings. And so we were both talking immigration, but we had different values. And what I believe is that if we can be aware of the other values that the people have, then we can start talking about the values and not talk about the issue. The issue will resolve itself, I believe, if we start talking about the values underneath. And then... Once we start talking about the values and we can talk to the other person in a value that they have and, and is important to them, we can start to change each other's minds. So for instance, for my aunt, if I had known what I know now, what I might've said to her was something like, aunt Dot, you're talking about immigration. Does that mean that you love this country? And Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I asked the question, right?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I've surfaced this invisible thing, this value that we never talk about. We can have a conversation about the value and I wouldn't have stormed out and I wouldn't have called her rude, (laughs) even though she was. Um, And then I can move on to something that um, I, I call reframing, which I got from some other researchers who I talk about in the book where you take an issue that they care about take an issue you care about and you tie it to a value that they care about and for instance in this case i might have said something like genie keep you know genie works really hard to take good care of you wouldn't it be great if immigrants like genie could come and stay in this country because she's really earned it which is using a different moral foundation she was in the um belonging I before was in the caring and this is in the fairness moral foundation and it's using a form of fairness that she probably would agree with and even if she didn't agree with it we still were having a conversation and we still were maintaining the relationship so instead of breaking the relationship we would have continued the relationship and continued the conversation I wish I could have done that and I didn't have the smarts to do it then but I'm hoping that I can spread the message so that people can learn this technique and use these sorts of ways of talking to each other. And hopefully, as I talk about in my newsletter, mending those fractured relationships.
0: Yeah, I can um, completely understand um, your point of view and your example with their um Communication is highly important. And I find it. Um, just emphasize on what you spoke on about trying to figure out the root of the actual issue to figure out all the underlining pieces that come along with how this issue came to be and figuring out a common ground to it so that how the relationship is still intact I at night to be really important.
1: Yeah, we don't give enough credit. We don't give enough attention to our relationships. We think it's okay to not talk to each to somebody if we disagree because we don't know how to do it. But I think we should spend the time and make an investment of the time um, where we men we work we work on how we talk to each other um, because relationships are the are the web of our lives. That's where we it, it's so much of our support, and if we don't give it enough attention, they will fall apart. And that affects our mental health. I mean, we need our relationships in our lives.
0: We do need the relationships um, because, and I've said this in many um, podcast episodes and in my own life in general, that no one should ever have to go through anything alone. And. The only way that would work is simply speaking up and talking and communicating with other people around you who may have gone through the exact same thing or who just simply want to be there for you.
1: You Yeah, the hard part is when people are different and they haven't gone through the same thing, how do you talk to them? And that's where you have to do the work. Right. But, you know, they're the people, you know, a lot of the stories I hear and the story of my own story, somebody who was important to me my whole life, and I lost that last 18 months of her life because of that. Um, and, you know, I read these stories on the Internet and in the news all the time. of pe- You know, mothers not talking to daughters anymore because the daughter wanted them to vote for somebody else or, um, you know, cousins not talking anymore or friends from childhood not talking anymore or neighbors. Um, you know, people who you rely on, like it's snowing right now where I am. And, you know, I'm probably going to rely on my neighbor to do something for me because of the snow. Um, but if I didn't have a relationship with them, I couldn't. All right.
0: Um, trying to think of another question. Cause again, I don't really ask questions.
1: Um, right.
0: how have you been affected, um, by the pandemic, um, I mean, obviously, you have a book out, and it's going really well, I assume, Um, but as far as you personally and your mental state, how are you doing?
1: Well, it's been tough. It's been tough, and I had hoped to be on the road doing a book tour um, and going to various places. I mean, the good part is that I can do these presentations that I'm doing uh, remotely over Zoom or whatever medium that the organization uses but it's often Zoom and so I'm able to be all over the country. So that's the good part. Like I'm, on Sunday I'm going to do one in the state of Washington and uh last week I was in Texas and in Georgia the week before. So that's been cool to be able to connect with people all over the country. And I'm really enjoying that. But I was hoping to be traveling and you know, I I love to travel but um You know, it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work in this pandemic, but I'm going to be vaccinated soon. So then I'm going to be. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to be able to see my son, which would be great, too.
0: Oh,
1: that's great. He's uh, he's 30 years old and he's getting married in November. And it's been over a year since I saw him. So um, it looks like maybe I'll get to see him at the end of March, which would be great he'll be vaccinated i'll be vaccinated my husband will be vaccinated so that's great
0: awesome
1: yeah so but you know it's lonely i'm sure it is for you too
0: yeah um it's i've definitely been affected by it i don't touch on it as much but i definitely been affected by it um so far the only um contact i really had is with my family Um, which I'm perfectly okay with, um, but as far as some people have no problem going out to, like, a little cocktail hour downtown or the movies, me for one, I find it way too soon to be doing any massive socialization of any kind because many people aren't taking the necessary precautions, and for me, I'm of a higher risk because I have diabetes, so... I don't want to have to, I mean, just to give you a little background, um, a year ago, at the start of the pandemic, which I guess technically would be January, which is when it truly got worse, um, I got diagnosed with diabetes. So the last thing I wanted was to wind up back in the hospital and be killed by this virus. So... Um, wow, I definitely been um affected because um, I've been basically, I mean, I have the privilege of doing school online, luckily, but I've been really quarantining to my um household, um, pretty much since the pandemic started, um, and seeing my family maybe once a day, and then obviously remaining to quarantine myself. So if I were to see them for a brief time and then continue to quarantine. I think I'm, I mean, the virus, unfortunately, is out there, but I feel like because I'm so self-isolated, um, it's less likely to affect me.
1: Right, right. But the problem yeah. is, is that, you know, the, I think the data show that we're all pretty depressed because we're not connected with people. And to get back to the theme of my book and, and the newsletter, is we need we need people in our lives and you know we're right now we're substituting online relationships um and as i said it's neat for me to be able to talk to people all around the country but we're we have a different kind of physical reaction when we're with somebody in person than we do when we're online and the research shows that it's a higher rate of depression when we substitute online um, um, relationships for in-person relationships. And that's one of the causes that's behind our political divide is the substitution of social media um, relationships. I'll put that in quote because they're not real, mostly real relationships. Um, but there's we're substituting social media and online relationships for real relationships. Um, I was just writing something it's going to be in a newsletter in a week or two um, about how when a friend of mine had surgery, I went over and stayed with my friend when you know she needed somebody in the house for the first like three four days. I went and stayed, um, and then she became a little bit more self sufficient and she could deal with people dropping in. So I left after I don't know three or four days, and some other friends you know would drop in for here and there. But, you know, your social media friends aren't going to do that. They can't. They're over in wherever, you know. So having a friend in social media is very different than having a friend in real life. And, you know, we need to recognize that. And in my post that I just wrote, I put friends in quotation marks because it's not the same. They're not really they're not really friends. I mean, some of them may become friends. So there may be some exceptions. I don't want to make a blanket statement, but. Um, you know, social media is great by getting you connected with people you never would be connected with before, but it also has exacerbated our political divide. And we need to come up with a way to counteract it. And that's what I'm I'm just gonna be writing about in the next few weeks about how to do that.
0: Yeah, I can um social media definitely has these, um flaws. I can't argue with that and it unfortunately Projects this type of illusion that has a way of making us feel slightly insecure to an extent and also you can't really hug your computer screen like you can hug a person exactly so.
1: <laughs> we need that physical connection
0: yes
1: so um so i have a bunch of questions that i'm putting in my newsletter like you know how do you approach social media and what do you think about when you think about how to spend time because you know we each only have 24 hours in a day we can't get any more we we all have less and if we spend time on one thing we're giving up something else and if we spend time on social media what are we giving up and you know I'm I've after writing this now I'm trying to be mindful about how I spend my time and really say, you know, do I want to spend this time doing this? And uh, just today, I was like, no, I'm really not going to spend time doing this particular thing that I used to do every day. I'm going to do a day without that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. Well, Karen, um, we're getting pretty much close to our awesome co- end of our awesome conversation um is there um anything you want to plug in like where people can find your book are you writing another
1: book absolutely um, so if you go to my website persuade don't again persuade don't with no apostrophe in the don't um you're going to find links to my book and all the different places you can buy it link to my newsletter which is free um and I'm also working on a new book about Mending um, Fractured Relationships, which is what the newsletter is about. So, And you'll see details of that. So sign up for my newsletter, um, buy my book on Amazon or other places. And um, if you want me to come talk to your group, there's a way to contact me on my website.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Karen, um, for joining me today. This was a really
1: awesome
0: conversation and I feel many people are going to benefit from it. Well, thank you
1: for the opportunity, Diane. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. And to all my listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and until next time.